Welcome to season one, episode eight of Family Planning for Docs, Thriving or Surviving. This podcast is an extension of our platform at www.familyplanningfordocs.com, a website created for Canadian medical trainees to highlight useful information about family planning in a medical career. Our group has a mission to inform medical trainees about their options regarding family planning while also navigating training, career, and all things in their personal life. Our research has shown that personal stories are highly impactful, and we hope to provide access to a diverse number of stories to current trainees. On our podcast, we hope to capture the stories of these professionals who have navigated the process on their own and a medical career while planning and support along the way. In this episode, we have Dr. Stephanie Chan. Stephanie, we are thrilled to have you on our podcast today, and we just want to give you a warm welcome and a thank you on behalf of the entire team. Thank you. Um, Honestly, I think this initiative is so great, and I wish I'd had this when I was a trainee because things were still pretty pretty gray back then. Um, So I'm glad to be a part of this. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the work (laughs) that we're doing. I guess I'll get started. Stephanie, what does a day in your life look like if you were to explain to our audience members? So I finished my training uh, five years ago. Um, so I'm, um, I'm a full-time uh, ophthalmologist. Um, I try to only work four days a week and I tell all new grads to do the same, especially if you have kids. It's nice to have that day sort of aside in case one kid gets sick, then you can be with them or if they have like a an appointment at the last second, at least you can shift your patients easily to that fifth day um, without overloading yourself. So typically I try to keep my schedule to a four day week and I try to keep my hours, um, you know, fairly standard as well. So I make a point of dropping my kids off at the bus stop in the morning. Um, That does mean that I get into the OR about an hour later, um, but it means I do less cases. And thankfully I work in a very supportive environment. So I'm allowed to do that. I'm allowed to come in an hour late for the OR and nobody um, yells at me. (laughs) Um, And uh, and yeah, so I drop off my kids at the bus stop in the morning um, and I still have two kids at home. Uh, They're not old enough to go to school yet. So we do have a full-time nanny. And so she picks them up from the bus stop. So I typically finish work at around 3.34. I bike uh, to work as well, which I think is um, something um, I never thought that I would do, but I would encourage anyone out there to think about it. For me, it adds about 10 minutes to my commute, um, but it's like an extra hour of exercising that I wouldn't otherwise have. Um, and I live in Ottawa. Um, I work in Hull. So for me to get to work, I basically just have to follow the river and follow the bike path. So it's very safe. Um, I never feel like I'm you know, going to get hit by a car, like say maybe downtown Toronto. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's something that, you know, if trainees or staff or whoever ever wanted to try, I would highly, highly recommend it. And I have an electric bike because I don't want to get into work all like sweaty and gross either. (laughs) Um, And I do have a shower. A shower was installed um, at my office as well. So I can take a shower if I want to. So, um, so yeah, so I try to finish around three 34. I bike home. So I'm home by four, four 30. Awesome. So yeah. And then in terms of work, so I operate about one day a week, sometimes um, a bit more depending on the weeks. Um, and then the rest of my days are in clinic. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I was going to say biking downtown Toronto it tends to be scary. So especially- yeah, no, I agree. It is a bit dicey for sure. It gets a bit dicey, but it sounds like Ottawa is definitely, and you probably see such nice trails as well when you're on your way. It to is, it yeah. is. It's really pleasant. You know, you're like, biking by the river there's like the Canada geese and they have their little babies you see them grow up and it's yeah it's it's nice 
That's lovely. You mentioned that you finished uh, training five years ago, was it? So can you walk us through kind of the timeline? How long did it take, I guess, from your undergraduate degree to where you are now? Oh, boy. Okay. So I did an undergrad in engineering, actually, um, way back when. And I thought, actually, I initially wanted to be an astronaut is what I really wanted to be. Um, So I did engineering. And then um, I worked for about a year. um, And then I decided that, you know, as much as I loved engineering, I didn't love the job that I had. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I went into medicine, I went to McMaster, um, you know, I don't know if they still do this, but back then they accepted anyone, (laughs) you didn't have to do a bunch of like, uh, MCATs and things like that back then. So that's how I got into Mac. um, And I did uh, med school at Mac uh, for three years. And then I did my residency here in Ottawa, where I'm from. And so during residency, I had my first two kids. And so my residency was six years instead of five, I took I think, I want to say eight or nine months for the first kid. And then I think I took four to six months, maybe six months for the second. So I fell back in the end. I fell back one full year. As you know, the goal of our podcast is to chat, you know, to you and others about why they wanted to have a family in the first place, how they've kind of fit um, these two beautiful things, being a parent and also being a physician and um, have that kind of interlace with one another. What inspired you to have a family? Um, honestly, I think, you know, part of it is age, you know, like mm-hmm. it gets like, and I've experienced this, it's a lot harder to have a pregnancy later on. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say my last pregnancy was definitely much tougher than my first. Um, and, you know, that's just kind of how the the timing worked out. I think in terms of logistics, there are a lot of advantages to having children in residency Um, because I've had kids in residency and out of residency. So I can honestly tell you um, sort of like the pros and cons. Um, So the pros when you're a resident is that you don't have any patients that you are looking after. So you don't need to worry about handover um, and about patients falling through the cracks, um, about patients just not coming back to you. Um, things like that. Um, so those are the more logistical aspects. You're not paying for an office. Like in my case, I have my own office. So you're not paying overhead on an office either. Um, you can kind of just cut ties and go, um, which is really, really nice. Um, and not something that I really appreciated back then. Um, what makes it tough though, is, you know, your co-residents, because it is an added burden for your co-residents when a resident leaves. It means that they end up having to take on more call and more clinics. And so, um, th- that's sort of the negative aspect. So I would say like in terms of the load a uh, mat leave can take, it, I, I would say probably falls more on your co-residents, which is never ideal either, um, especially if you, you know, you get along with your co-residents, you don't really want to do that to them either. Um, but at the same time, you know, there is no ideal time. So, yeah, you know, it is what it is. So that would be the uh, disadvantage. Also, the other disadvantage too, is that you're not in control of your schedule. Um, and so as a resident, you kind of, you're tied to whatever, uh, staff or clinic or, uh, OR, um, and you kind of have to follow those times. You can't be like me, like five years later, I can come into the OR like an hour later and that's acceptable. <laughs> um, so you're not as much in control of your schedule, but one thing that I will say my residency program did do for me, which was really helpful was when I came back after my second, they allowed me to come back part-time for oh, one okay. Um, which was great, especially because I was breastfeeding and like, you know, everyone's, you know, breastfeeding journey is going to be different and I don't want to shame anyone who chooses not to breastfeed or anything like that. But for me, it was really important to breastfeed 
my children. Um, so it was nice to be able to work part time because then I didn't really have to pump at work. I could just like come home and feed my baby. Um, so there was that advantage in, in terms of residency. In terms of being on staff, uh, you do have more agency. You do have more independence. So I felt terrible with my last pregnancy. I had twins and I didn't know this, but like two babies means twice the hormones. Oh so my the God. morning sickness was awful. And I remember just, I walked into my clinic one day and I was like, okay, ladies, from now on, I need to finish at one. Oh my like, Where are we going to put your patients? And I was like, I do not know, but I'm <laughs> leaving at one o'clock because I feel terrible. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, one advantage um, that I could have as staff um, is that I could control my schedule. I also had um, colleagues though, who were very supportive. And so a lot of my colleagues, you know, took on patients for me during my mat leave, or I was able to hand them over to their primary care while I was away. So, so that was helpful, but still like a logistical difficulty, so to speak. Yeah, I was going to ask you along the lines, because you mentioned in residency, people have to kind of pick up the call shifts or like pick up patient care when you're away. So how was that experience? How did you navigate, I guess, communicating to your res- co-residents? What, yeah. How process so, look yeah. Like? I mean, it's funny, like the, the guilt that we place on ourselves and it never really stops even when you're a parent, if anything, it's worse. But certainly I felt, you know, I felt guilty for my co-residents for having to take on this extra work. Um, but I had co-residents who were actually very supportive. And I think it was helpful that a lot of my co-residents were women. And so, you know, they were very supportive of me. Um, and uh, I remember one, I was like talking with her and then she was like, you know, I was like, I told her, like, I'm sorry. I know it's been really tough with me being away. And then she looked at me and she was like, Steph, it is your God-given right to have children. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, thank you. You know, yeah. and I never even thought of it that way. Um, mm-hmm. But that's how strongly she felt about it. And it was so it was nice to have supportive co-residents like that. There are always going to be co-residents who are maybe a little less supportive because at the end of the day, residency is really tough. And to yeah. ask and to have to take on extra work. Um, and, that, you know, there were people who were like, oh, you're going on mat leave. Um, and they, they thought I was like going on vacation. Right. Um, and I had to be like, no, man, I'm, I'm looking after a child. So yeah, it's not it's a vacation. Not, it's not like you're in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very different. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Thank you for shedding some insight on that as well, because a lot of some of our guests have had their children residency. And I've noticed that we haven't really talked about that um, aspect of, you know, how do you kind of navigate talking to your co-residents? So I think people on this podcast will find that um, helpful as well. You mentioned that before we even got started that, um, you know, you wish you had something like this when you were kind of going through the process, um, what sorts of supports did you find helpful at your time? Were there mentors or people that you leaned on, you know, resources that you had accessible to you? Yeah. So I remember like in terms of the logistics, there was like the para website. Mm -hmm. Um, And back then Ottawa was one of the only universities where if you took some time off, you had to make it up. Whereas other universities didn't have that. So I think that was a big impetus for me to have two kids and take a full year off because I was like, make up the time as well just, you know, make up a full year. Exactly. So, um, so there was the Paro website. Um, I had like a program administrator, I guess, um, who was very supportive. And the other thing too, is that I was not the first person to have children in residency. Um, There had been a couple of people before me, Um, probably the most noteworthy is Cetera Zie. Um, She started the Canadian Women in Medicine, um, 
group, I guess, or conference um, or organization. Um, and so she was a couple years ahead of me and she had two kids as well. So there was precedent at least. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so Saturday was, you know, a big help. Uh, I had other mentors as well um, along the way. Um, the CWM like mommy Facebook group is also very helpful um, because it's all people who have had to manage mat leaves and things like that. And they all have like the little tips and tricks. Um, and so one trick that really helped me was when I um, went on my mat leave during my, as I was a staff, like when I was running my own office, I was like, you know, what do I do with my employees? Like, do I have to pay them for like the six months that I'm away? And so and one, somebody posted this and they're like, well, what you can do is just put them on EI. So they still get paid, you know, 55%. Um, and then when they come back to you, well, then you can give them a little bonus, like a retention bonus, which would sort of sort of help that, uh, that cost there. Um, so, so yeah, having the CWN website and the mommy Facebook groups um, and yeah, mentors, very, very helpful. I would say one of my strongest mentors is someone that I work with now. And she was like, the second woman ever in ophthalmology in Ottawa. Um, and so she kind of, she had gone through all of the hoops already. So, um, so having her was very, very helpful as well. That's amazing. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you had that uh, support system kind of there. I know it's not the case for a lot of women, but I'm hoping, um, you know, with resources like our website and some of the resources that you mentioned, which we will link in the show notes from today's episode as well, um, will help kind of you know, create more accessible ways to find that information, because I can't even imagine how stressful it must be. You don't even know kind of the policies that are in place to support you. So how many children do you have in total then? So I had two kids um, in residency, and then I had twins um, when I came on staff. Awesome. And uh, what were some unexpected challenges of being a parent? I guess since you've been through it a couple of times, maybe as like a new parent and then having, yeah. what was that like? So, so honestly, my first kid, um, she was a really good baby. You know, she was like a good sleeper, a good eater, just like a very like easygoing kid. Um, which is probably the reason why I was like, oh, I could probably have a second and be okay. <laughs> My second child was not. She still doesn't sleep well. Um, and she's very, very active. And she takes up a lot of my attention and time, um, for sure. So um, I think it's, it's tough because like, you know, you don't know what kind of baby you're going to have <laughs> and it makes all the difference, right? Like for my first, like I was nowhere near as sleep deprived as I was for my second. My second, like I felt awful um, mm -hmm. because I was so sleep deprived. And I, I ended up sleeping with her, which, you know, is a big no-no. You're not supposed to sleep with your child. Um, but I ended up sleeping with her because there was just no other way I could survive. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, I was definitely in survival mode <laughs> back then. <laughs> Is it better now? Um, so, no, I'm still in survival mode. Okay. Then I had twins, right? And right. So I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so having twins is really, really tough. Um, again, because like, I, like, you know, at first I wanted to breastfeed them and it's really tough breastfeeding twins because like as they get older, you can't really breastfeed them at the same time. You kind of have to do one at a time, but then you're trying to like breastfeed one and like have this moment and the other one is just screaming because they want oh. some too. <laughs> So it's not as enjoyable as when there's just one child for sure. Um, and then, yeah, two babies, twice, twice the diapers, twice the trouble. They also egg each other on, which is something I've discovered as they've grown up. So um, it's definitely, I'm still in, I'm still in survival mode, I would say. 
Um, but you know, it's getting better. It's definitely better than it was. And it's getting better all the time. I think, you know, like in terms of like when, what kind of parent I am, like I started as a very hands-on parent. Mm-hmm. Um, like, especially when I graduated, I was like, I'm going to, you know, go to all of like the kids plays. I'm right. going to take them out to all the kids outings. I mean, you know what I, I like? I would literally cancel a day of clinic so I could make a cake for their birthdays. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> which is crazy if you think about it. Um, Cause I still had to pay for my office. I had to still pay for like my employees and everything like that. But it was important for me to, to bake this cake, which was really not that nice of a cake in the end, <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, so I started off as that kind of parent and now I'm a very like, I'm just going to do what I can kind of parent because what yeah. I discovered is I would take a day off to bring the kids to a school outing and then the outing would get canceled or like the weather would be bad and they would push the yeah. outing to another day. And so I just realized that I can't win in this. So I'm just going to do what I can with what I have, which is a very engineering way to think. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you say is the best part of being a parent? I know there's so many probably amazing things, but, um, what do you look forward to when you get to see your babies? Honestly, it's amazing just seeing these human beings grow up and like becoming people. Like I was saying the other day, I have no more babies. My twins are three, you know, and they have their personalities and they have their little quirks and, um, you know, it's, it's just crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. crazy that these people were in my belly, you know? And, and now and they're now like they're, fully their like, own person. Yeah, exactly. We've been talking a lot about, you know, your journey. If you had a magic wand um, and you could go back and change anything about your journey, is there anything that you would change? If so, why? If not, why? So the one thing that I do regret during my pregnancies, and it seems like a small thing, but now it's become really important to me, is that I didn't wear the compression socks. And everyone told me to wear the compression socks. And I read everywhere to wear the compression socks. But when you're like big and hot, like the last thing you want to do is wear the compression socks. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't realize was that varicose veins are very painful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now I have varicose veins, and they're very painful. And like, if I get up out of bed too quickly, I it's yeah it's very unpleasant and so now I have to wear compression socks pretty much all the time um and so yeah and so I tell everybody just wear the compression socks uh, or you will you will regret it and but I don't know I mean I also had a twin pregnancy so you know with my first two I didn't have any issues but definitely with the twin pregnancy I really regretted not wearing the compression socks because now yeah I'm I'm living with this and I wish I wish I could go back and change that And then I guess, I mean, if I had known, I don't know, it's tough to say, because like, again, I I like breastfed all my children. So I had to pump. And I would say like the pumps that are out now, like they're like, there were ones you can just like slip into your bra. um, And they're so great. And they're so handy. And I, but I don't know if they were available when I had my first. Mm -hmm. But that was the other thing I was like, Oh, I wish I'd known about that. Because I feel like I could have, I could have maybe gone on longer for my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, like I still got, I did almost a year for the first two. And then for the twins, I did 15 months, but I feel like I could have long, I felt like I could have gone longer for the first two if I'd known about those types of pumps. Okay. I forget what it's called now. I want to, I want to say like the LV breast pump or something like that, but there's one that you literally just slip into your bra. You don't have to wear like a special mm-hmm. bra with it. 
um, like I had the medulla pumps and for those ones, I had to wear like a special bra that would basically hold the flange for you. Um, but this other one, and I got it from my twins, you can just slip right in and it's so much more convenient and so much less messy. So, um, I wish I'd had that, um, for the first two, but yeah, those are the only things I would change. I mean, like I said, there's pros and cons to having kids in residency and at a residency and I experienced both and having kids in residency is probably easier Dep I guess depends I guess it depends on what kind of job you have yeah. um, if you're someone with an office and overhead it's definitely easier when you're a resident but if you don't have office and overhead maybe easier when you're staff and you yeah. can control your schedule a bit more so mm -hmm. I guess it depends and I know you talked a little bit about things that um, you wish you had, like the compression socks, but is there any other advice you have for medical trainees? Maybe someone that's a med student or someone early on in their residency training? Yeah. Oh, it's funny. I met a med student actually who had her first in med school and, uh, and we talked about it and I was like, you know, you're probably better off having your kids in residency because at least you get a salary, right? Mm. And you're getting paid. Right. Having kids in med school, I feel like would be a double whammy because you're paying tuition and you're not getting paid and you have to take time off. Um, so between med school and residency, I would say definitely residency is probably the way to go. Um, so in terms of, you know, advice for trainees out there, um, what I would say with residency, you know, as a, as a system is that it's not really designed for women to have children, right? Like it was, literally designed for a time when people would be living in the hospital, hence the name residency. Right. Um, so to have children in residency, you're kind of, it's like trying to fit like a square peg in a round hole, you know, like it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and you can try to like make that square more round to like fit into the hole or the hole can be maybe a little bit larger. So I think ultimately there needs to be some systemic change to better support women. Um, for having both children and being able to feed their children and take them to daycare and things like that. So one of the big challenges I had with residency was that, you know, we would have teaching at 630 in the morning, yeah. but daycares don't open at 630 in the morning. They don't even open at six or seven. Yeah. Um, sometimes they open at 730. So there's like no way I could have done residency without having, you know, my parents, my in-laws and my nanny help me. Um, but it would be nice to see more systemic change to better support women and, and men, right. Who choose to have children in residency, which is kind of the optimal time to have kids. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yeah, for those out there who are feeling discouraged, just know that it's not you. It's just the system. It wasn't designed for this, but you know, if you have good supports, you will get through it. We've all gone through it. I'm hoping that because so many of us have gone through it though, that it will be better every time. Yeah. Um, because we'll have paved the way and we'll have shown the little tricks, things like going back to work part-time, you know, maybe you can just do your rotation twice, but do half days, right? Um, maybe you can use up your vacation time, your conference time. There's always ways to sort of, I don't want to say game the system, but optimize things yeah. to better support us. Um, and so having, you know, a supportive program administrator and program director, um, is very, very helpful for sure. Thank you for sharing that wisdom. Yeah, there definitely needs to be systemic change, but I think part of it is hearing stories like yours and others and the tips and tricks of how you all kind of navigated the system yourselves. Um, it's, it's really helpful. Stephanie, I know you said that 
sometimes you've been in survival mode, but part of the podcast is to ask you, are you thriving or surviving right now? Yeah, my kids are still young, so I'm still in survival mode. Okay. But like I said, it's better than it was. Um, and I think it will get better as well as the kids get older, out of diapers, things like that. Um, so yeah, I would say right now I'm still I'm still in survival mode. But I was thriving. I was thriving between my second and my twins. I didn't realize the advantages to spacing out your children. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like when I was in residency, I was like, okay, let's just kind of in my head, like get this over with. So I had two, two, two years apart. Um, but I think, you know, there's no optimal time to space out your children. But I think one of the optimal times could be around three years because mm-hmm. for the first year, you know, you're pregnant and then for, well, yeah, you're, essentially you're pregnant. And then the second year you're breastfeeding, Right. So it gives you another year to kind of recover from all of that because breastfeeding is actually very taxing. I don't know if people realize that unless you've been through it. Um, but every time I stopped breastfeeding, I had like a marked improvement in my energy because I had so much energy going towards making yeah. milk. So if you have that year to kind of recover, and that was the year that I was thriving before the twins came. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's very, very helpful. And also, um, you know, now that I've had twins, like, you know, the reality is I'm only one person. And I have to split my time equally between the two of them. And, you know, really like neither of them are getting the attention that they want from me. Um, So I think if you space your kids out by a solid like three years, it gives you that time to sort of focus on that one child during their developmental stage before you kind of move on to the next. But honestly, I mean, you know, family planning is also a bit of a luxury. Like I'm sure there are people who, you know, who try for many years and can't have a second or a third or whatever. And, and so you know, I don't mean to shame those people either. I'm just saying if you have the luxury of planning, I would say three years is probably um, more optimal in my experience. Thank you for sharing that, Stephanie. This concludes episode eight. We just want to give you another thank you on behalf of the team. It was such a pleasure chatting with you about how you kind of navigated uh, residency and being a staff uh, while also having children and being a parent. Um, You can find a lot of the resources that we were talking about in today's show notes, and you can also find our guests' contact information in there as well. This is Rada and Stephanie signing off. (music) 